Fred's Front Porch Podcast is made possible by the generous support of Jenner Zeno, Alex Oliphant, our unofficial patron saint, Jane Louise Finch, our official patron saint, Edith Keeler, Coralie Day with Scott Knight, Hermione Granger, and listeners like you. Welcome, fellow traveler on this rock floating through space. I'm Fred. This is my front porch. Come on up and sit a while. There are ideas to be discussed on this old set of nicely nailed together boards. Shining with Cosmic Improbabilities On Your Way And when the clock strikes twelve When they've gone away When you're all alone With nothing left to say When you walk upstairs And you comb your hair And you get ready To go on your way to go on your way and when you pack your things and you stare into space when you're looking out with that grin on your face when it's all gone wrong don't you know that I'll be there so if you need me oh can you call me if you need me can you call me? Call me. When you look ahead and the road is long and when you ask yourself how you carry on and when you're thinking back on the days before, where did the time, where did the time go? And if you need me, can you call on me? Oh, if you need me, oh, 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 can you call me? When the song is through and you've got nothing to say, so you go on, you go on your way, and you close, you close the door. You close the door, oh, you close the door, like those times before. Sarah Nimmons, on your way. The song you're about to hear is made up of the most improbable set of events I could ever invent, and I didn't invent them. I want to make clear that I possess no supernatural beliefs right off the top. I'm an advocate of Occam's razor. There must always be a simpler explanation, and a supernatural one is simply winding up at the same place anyway. I, I don't, don't know. know. 
So I'm saving all the steps in between and jumping straight to that answer. I don't know how all these things could possibly happen. I know only that, wildly improbable as they are, they happened. And now I have to quote Sarah Nimitz again immediately. You are a supernatural being. You eat stardust for breakfast. Don't dim your light for no one. Gravity can't hold you. Time can't stop you. Don't dim your light for no one. She is the only person on earth who could possibly make me even consider that idea. And she isn't pushing anything. She's creating art, and it's up to me to interpret it in the way that makes most sense to me. One of the best things I ever heard her say about art was, what do you think it means? Yes, it means that too. The Journey. This is my 100th episode. The journey to get here has less to do with podcasting and more to do with the love that got me here. I have to go back to 2016 to start at the end of the previous chapter. That chapter was 29 years long. I taught elementary school. I was married twice and neither of those worked out. I did wonderful and brilliant things, but I was entirely burned out by the time I came to the end. And that ending is the beginning of this journey. I was going to tell you all about my family, my retirement, and all the events that led to my poverty, but I'm recording this for listeners who have been with me for a while. I suggest listening to Horace's Final Five, episode 50, if you're interested in those details. This episode is a product of the love that continues to keep me alive. I should have been dead at least half a dozen times in the last five years. I should have died in an extended stay room, but a friend sent the police to save me from DKA. I should have died several times while living with my previous roommates. We don't like each other anymore, but that doesn't change the fact that they got me to the hospital repeatedly. My nephew lost one of his best friends to the diabetes that does its best to kill me. I have been more than lucky, one might even say blessed, by having people who declined to let me die. They called paramedics who either brought my blood sugar back up so I could continue to live or took me to the hospital to get it back down so I could continue to live. This episode is the product of the kindness of strangers who refused to let me suffer inordinately. People I have never met, except through Facebook, have saved my car, my home, my electricity, my internet, and kept me from homelessness on more occasions than I am comfortable admitting. Without what they did for me, 
there is no way I could have made it this far. I make a portion of my show each week about gratitude because I have so many people to whom I will always be grateful. The ones I mention on the show are only the tip of the iceberg. There are others whose names you have never heard who kept me from winding up living out of a dumpster. This episode is the product of the faith people invested in me. That faith begins with my nephew, his mother, and a bass player, who told me that my writing was good enough that I ought to do more with it. They convinced me to start a blog. That blog attracted the attention of some podcasters who invited me to be on their show. They convinced me to start my own show. That show led to Jenner Zeno having so much faith in me that he bought me the starship on which this show is produced. This show led to the Patreon and Anchor support that tell me that my art is to be taken seriously. I make money as an artist. That's probably the most rewarding feeling I've ever had. People I don't know are sufficiently moved by my work that they support it financially. This episode is the product of the deep and passionate love of art that my father instilled in me beginning in my infancy. From showing me the Mona Lisa, who became my best friend and I called the lady when I was less than a year old, to showing me Shakespeare at six, to The Catcher in the Rye and To Kill a Mockingbird a few years later, and all the way to John Dewey as an adult, Dad showed me the power of art. I heard Beethoven and Mozart daily throughout my childhood. I conducted the Grand Canyon Suite when I was four. I learned jazz from my father and my brother. It was Dad who told me to watch The Wonder Years, which reshaped my writing from ripping off Salinger to recognizing my own voice. It was Dad who recommended The West Wing. It was To Kill a Mockingbird that guided me to I'll Fly Away. It was Dad who showed me T.S. Eliot. It was T.S. Eliot who provided some of the last words Dad and I ever shared. Let us go then. You and I. This episode is the product of meeting Snuffy Walden. Due to incomprehensibly improbable circumstances I've previously described. I recommend my episode, The Power of Love, Sarah Nimitz and the Musical and Spiritual Value of Playing Poker, released on March 3rd, 2020, if you would like those details. Snuffy Walden wrote the music to The Wonder Years and The West Wing, as well as the theme to I'll Fly Away. Just as all those shows are improved by the music beneath the words, so is this show improved by the music I use, and it is my effort 
to pretend to be snuffy. He can write music. I can only feel it. Fortunately, I found music I can use legally to enhance the feelings you get in this show. I have spent many hours imagining Snuffy watching a show with his headphones on, feeling the scene, and composing music to increase its emotional effect. He brings the catharsis home. Scoring each episode is my effort to play Snuffy Walden just as I used to play Captain Kirk, Batman, and the Six Million Dollar Man as a child. I'm not sure that scoring isn't my favorite part. This episode is, obviously, the product of meeting and becoming a friend of Sarah Nimitz. I met her because Snuffy introduced me to her. Her mother, Cheryl, sold me her two available CDs that night, Push Play and Fountain and Vine. After an extraordinary night that filled me with joy I had never imagined, I drove home for nearly eight hours, playing those discs continually. By the time I was back in Arizona, I had fallen completely in love with that music. When I got home, Sarah and Cheryl granted me the honor of accepting my Facebook friends' requests, and the rest is history. I went to as many of Sarah and Snuffy's performances as time and money would allow. I bought all Sarah's subsequent CDs. I had them all autographed. Now, I love all of Sarah's music, if you've ever attended a weekly Wacky Wednesday, Sarah's weekly YouTube show, you know that even as much as Shine has inspired the theme of this show and become the guiding light of my life, On Your Way is my favorite of all her songs. I've often said that art is both universal and personal. For me, the universal part of On Your Way is a song of loss. It's frequently interpreted as the end of a relationship. That's a perfectly good way of seeing it. I've made a few videos reinterpreting that simple idea as well as I could. I had to express what the art made me feel. The more personal way of seeing it for me is that it's a love song from art to me. There's no way to explain that in a video or if there is, I've never thought of it. If we look a little more closely at the lyrics and we think about how the music opens up the pathway to your heart to let that idea in, it becomes something more. Let's start at the beginning. Snuffy's soft, sad, and deceptively simple piano chord. Tell your heart to slow down and prepare for catharsis to slip silently inside you. Sarah hums soothingly. Yes, she seems to tell us, you're about to feel something. Don't be afraid though. Snuffy, Jonathan Richards, and I will get you safely to the other side. 
then the poetry begins. And when the clock strikes twelve, when they've gone away, when you're all alone with nothing left to say, this isn't for me anymore about someone leaving his love. It's about reaching that point in your life where there are more days behind than ahead. It's recognizing that there really isn't anyone in your life anymore. It's the terror of dimming. It's the recognition that your light is beginning to wane. It's the wondering if you've said all you have to say. When you walk upstairs and you comb your hair and you get ready to go on your way, to go on your way. This is for me about venturing into the world where I shall certainly be scared. It's getting ready to go hear the band in Flagstaff. It's going to school every morning. No matter how much time I spent combing my hair, it was a mess before anyone saw it. I've cut it sufficiently short now that combing it is impossible. It makes life less frustrating. And when you pack your things and you stare into space, when you're looking out with that grin on your face, when it's all gone wrong, don't you know that I'll be there? So if you need me, oh, can you call me? If you need me, can you call me? Call me. Call me. Here I see my failed marriages. I see the times I've had to move because I couldn't afford the place I was living. I frequently stare into space while I'm listening to a piece of music that heals me. It's not that I believe Sarah will be there for me. We aren't anywhere approaching that close. But her music will. All music will. Books will. Paintings will. Movies, TV shows, and podcasts will. There will be art to defend me from my inner prosecutor. There will be art to remind me that things do get better. There will be art to keep my flame from being snuffed a bonning. When you look ahead and the road is long, and when you ask yourself how you carry on, and when you're thinking back on the days before, where did the time where did the time go? Looking ahead is something I spend increasing amounts of time doing as I age. There is still such a long way to go. And there have been many times when another step down the road seemed all but impossible. Love got me one step farther. And I think, how did I reach nearly 60 years old without accomplishing as much as I should. I find myself feeling like Marlon Brando. 
Rod Steiger tells him. If you're getting on, you're pushing 30, Sluggy. You know, it's time to think about getting some ambition. I never had the ambition. And I think about that. I think... And I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum. Which is what I am. Let's face it. When the song is through, and you've got nothing to say, so you go on. You go on your way. And you close... You close the door. You close the door. Oh, you close the door. Like those times before. It's about the loneliness that comes when a show is over. Or when some beautiful experience comes to its conclusion. I've gotten standing ovations from parents at Mary Moppet's daycare from school and adult audiences all over California and more than a couple in Arizona for the shows that I wrote and directed. And when it's over, I go home alone. I've felt this since my days in Flagstaff before I ever set foot in a classroom at the Spaghetti Station or the Museum Club. Everyone is going home with someone I'm going home with Jackson Brown's character, Rosie. Rosie. It's looking back at all the doors I've closed in my lifetime. There are two marriages, a handful of failed relationships, friendships, a career, and my own family. Perhaps those were all good doors to close. I won't say I regret closing them, but I am more isolated than I would have been otherwise. Finally, we're left again with the piano. Jonathan Richards's ever-so-subtle cello and Sarah humming. The final note of the cello fades and we are floating somewhere in the ether, not quite sure what we're feeling. The original song is a masterpiece. Few other songs come close to creating catharsis as enduringly. This episode is the product of the song I'm about to play you. Sarah did this for me at a secret song society meeting, which is a show for Patreon supporters once a month. She almost never sings On Your Way, probably because it's just not a popular song. It's not a love song in the way Monroe is. 
It's not an inspirational hymn in the way Shine is. It's a piece of T.S. Eliot poetry. It has the feeling of... No, I am not Prince Hamlet, nor was meant to be. Am an attendant lord, one that will do to swell a progress, start a scene or two. Advise the prince, no doubt an easy tool. Deferential, glad to be of use. Politic, cautious and meticulous. Full of high sentence, but a bit obtuse. At times, indeed, almost ridiculous. Almost, at times, the fool. Sarah autographed her CD, Get Right, for me with the words, Let us go then, you and I. She understands the T.S. Eliot of the song. On Your Way, however, is on Push Play, which she autographed with the words, On Your Way says hi. This episode is the product of the work of several friends. One of them found this section of the Secret Song Society video and cut it down for me so I could watch this, followed by You've Got a Friend again and again and cry. Jenner found this on the desktop and decided he needed to finish the song. I never asked him to do it. He felt the creative need to add the Fleetwood Mac sections you hear that not only emphasize what the song is saying, but take us back to the Horace stories and Rhiannon, thereby adding another layer of meaning to it. Hello in there shows up at the end of Horace's final five. I would love to say that I am shining in my 100th episode, but all I'm really doing is reflecting all the love and support that have been given to me. I'm using all the gifts I have been given by so many people to try to shine just a little bit and just a little longer. This is the messy version of On Your Way. Clock strikes twelve, and they've gone away. When you're all along with nothing left to say, when you walk upstairs and you comb your hair and you get ready to go on your way to go on your way when you pack your things and you stare into space when you look in 
When it's all gone wrong, don't you know that I'll be there? And if you need me, can you call on me? If you That was a uh, kind of messy version of that. One hundredth episode, gratitudes. We'll be doing our regular gratitude shortly, but today requires some special ones. First, it's Memorial Day. I'm fortunate enough that no one in my life has had to give a life to preserve my freedom. 
There are, according to an internet search, nearly a million American men and women who have died for our country. I mourn their loss. I am grateful for their sacrifices. While I'm something of a pacifist, I recognize that there are times when war is unavoidable. I'm grateful to all those who made the ultimate sacrifice so that I still have the freedom to do this show and you still have the freedom to listen to it. I hope someday we can end war completely so the number stops climbing. Well, there's a cross on the hill where the ragweed has grown, where a mother's young son sleeps all alone, all for the land that he dreamed he could save. There's none so beautiful as the brave. Gino Benelli. Next, I am grateful to many people I'm not allowed to name. One of them is Phoebe Caulfield. No, that's not her real name, but like Holden's little sister, she has helped me find a reason to keep going when I was ready to quit. She's among those who gave me the love to take just one more step. She's also a pain in the ass, and I love her. There are two people, married to each other, who have been there for me over and over. They've helped keep my car running and they've made sure I could eat a couple more days. They've helped me to move, they've hired movers, they've packed and lifted boxes. They've thanked me for asking them for help. They have never owed me anything. I owe them more than I can ever repay. I'm grateful beyond words. I'm grateful to Snuffy Walden. He has been changing my life for more than 30 years, and meeting him is probably the most significant event of that time. He has inspired me with his music, he's brought me joy with his friendship, and he's contributed to my well-being financially, spiritually, and emotionally. He's been a hero for decades and a good friend for years. Thank you, Snuffy, for all you've done, said, and added to my life. Finally, I'm grateful to people who don't even like me anymore. I'm grateful to my former roommates for keeping me alive, for loving me once, and for their tolerance of an autistic asshole. I'm grateful to a friend who has recently decided we shouldn't be friends anymore because I'm too self-absorbed. She's probably right. I probably am. This is, however, who I am. I love who I have become, and I'm grateful she was among those who got me here. And I'm grateful to so many people on Facebook who have helped me in so many ways. I'm grateful to those who listen to this show. Thank you for making my life meaningful.
These are the names of the people in our community. Our only official patron saint is Jean Louise Finch. Our unofficial patron saints are Alex Oliphant, Jenner Zeno, and David Russell. Our producers are Edith Keeler, Coralie Day with Scott Knight, and Hermione Granger. Welcome, Hermione. Thanks for joining it. Made my day. Our patrons are Sherlock the Mystery Patron, Utopia 42, Kevin Boyce, Joe March, Barbara Hauser, and Lena Miller. Our supporters are Chris Donnelly, Corey Pluard, Claude Burt Lansden, Jesse Rogers, Virginia Rupert, The Mind Wave Podcast, to which you should listen often, Scott Shelby, Mark Rosema, Michelle Freeman, Laura Engram, Elizabeth Bennett, and Zareth. Our supporters are Judy Morris, Amos Stewart, Phil Parkman, Michelle Sylvester, Marley Maple Miracle, Ursula Phillips, Carrie Dedeo, Pavel Shabayev, Sarah Nimitz, John G., David Miller, Christine L. Patterson, Chuck Curry, Corey, Natalie, Jefferson, and our tearless and tireless supporter, Jureen. Our anchor sponsor is Zara. Our anchor supporters are Lori Shea, Daniel H., Cindy Mandel, Corey again, Piper K. Young, A.A. Milne, John Donovan, Stacy Height, and Sharon Reddy. Thank you all for sticking with me through the bad times and for helping to make these, the good times, better. You're helping me to shine. I love you. share my thoughts and ideas with you. Follow me at Front Porch Fred on Twitter and get your episodes early and commercial free on Patreon. See you next week. Produced by Studio Stargate.